Well, if today is where we always are, then why on earth should we talk about any other time? Um, well, we have a couple of directions to look, and the next place we're going to look is backwards, because today is where you always are, but yesterday is how you got to today. These are deep philosophical thoughts. I, I realize that they may be overwhelming you, and you are just, yeah. And God, I pray that as we, as we think about what yesterday means for us, that you would protect us from either defending our yesterday or excusing our yesterday or wanting to forget our yesterday or being mired in our yesterday. And I pray that you'd protect me from being sarcastic as I talk about yesterday, given that that's my love language and given that yesterday was hard for a lot of people. And pray that my words would be received with a healthy seasoning of your grace. In Christ's name. Okay. We've got, we've got a little bit longer passage um, for this one. It's not really that much longer. Uh, Romans 8, verses 5 through 9. I'm going to read it to you. It, it almost looks like Tim made these slides. The text is so small, right? But it, it was my fault this week. Uh, there I go being sarcastic again. I just prayed about that. Okay. I'm sorry about that, Tim. Those who live according to the flesh <laughs> have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Okay. Those who live according to the flesh, where does their mind go? Flesh. Okay. Follows the flesh. Those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on? Thank you. What the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Incapable. So, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. And then here's, that's the bad news, and here's the good news. You, however are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And what did Craig Blomberg say? I'm just going to interject here. One of the benefits of being in Christ's kingdom is the ever-present indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't part of the old deal, but it's part of the deal in Christ. Okay. <clears throat> if indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. And so what... what Paul is talking about here in Romans is there, there was a before Christ and there's an after Christ for those who are in Christ. And before Christ, it looks the same for all of us. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And unfortunately, he doesn't grade on a curve. He is the curve. 100% gets the presence of God. Anything else doesn't. And so the fact that we can say that, that in my yesterday, I relied on this. I pursued this. I was obsessed with this. And as much as I chased them, they didn't give me what I needed. And then Christ stepped in. And something happened that hadn't happened before. This is your story. If you're in Christ, part of what you need to do with yesterday is remember it, and I'm going to use the word rehearse it. And I don't mean that in a, you know, thespian way. I mean that in the, I'm going to 
repeat that to myself. It's going to be like a, the family story that somebody tells, and maybe they embellish it a little bit. Don't do that. But remember where you were. Remember what you struggled with. Remember what let you down. And then say, okay, how did that change in Christ? How have I leaned on him since I came to follow him and experienced him supporting me in a way the stuff that I was into never did before? That's your story, and I can't tell it. So now, if, if we look at yesterday and today, you have a story, and you've got a place to tell it. That's not when, except it is when. It's who you are. You have a story, and you have a place to tell it that you are uniquely qualified to do. And if you think about that, you know, we, we, in church circles, we love evangelists. Because it's such a cool gift that crystallizes people's thinking about a savior and a need for a savior and, and a desire to live a different life than the one that we started with. But the reality is that that's not the job of evangelists. What was Philip the evangelist? He was a deacon. What did deacons do? They fed the widows. So th there's this thing that happens in in the church where we get to help each other out. And that's one of the reasons we're having discussion this morning is because we get to hear somebody else's uh, where they are and what they're thinking about. So that's one way to look at the past. The other way to look at yesterday is things that didn't go well. And if you're a perfectionist like me, you might obsess a little bit too much on what's gone wrong. So I've given us three categories of things that go wrong in interactions that ought to be about pointing to Christ and tend to fall short. The first is the unnatural approach. Um, if you've heard Tim speak much, you will have heard an example of this. Mine's going to be, wow, that light is bright. Hey, have I told you about the light of Jesus? Awkward, right? Random, right? Not engaged with either who I am or what context we're in, who I'm with. Maybe you even went through training to do this in a way that, you know, made you less uncomfortable to be awkward. Okay, God can use that. But we're trying to strive for something a little more in line with what Scripture says we're to be about. Second thing is the missed opportunity. So maybe that comes to mind. Somebody, somebody you've lost, somebody who you're no longer in a relationship with and you feel... You had a chance to tell them about what was important to you, and for one reason or another, you didn't. Or as uh, the, the guy says, um, and I've just blanked on the, the movie, uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. All right? I'm old. Get over it. Had your chance. Muffed it. It's one of my dad's favorite quotes. So, uh, And you look back and you go, I, I can't. I can't tell people about Jesus because have you, I, I, I failed. I went to the plate and watched three pitches go by and then sat back down on the bench. And if that happened and if that affects the way that you look at things, either I've got to tell them this time, so I'm willing to be awkward and stupid about it, or uh, it's not for me. I'm supposed to go make disciples, but I'll, I'll go look at other people's disciples instead. The third thing is the mixed message. And this is about 
you're excited about Jesus. You're excited about the gospel. And you are also really excited about uh, um, low-power microprocessors. Yeah! Okay, that, that's a less controversial topic. Uh, you're excited about politics. And if somebody listened to you in the context of your life, of your today, they might not know which was actually more important in the scheme of things based on your vociferousness, your aggressive expressing of opinions. So they might go, well, in order to believe the gospel, I've got to belong to your political party, your political movement. I've got to love NASCAR like you love NASCAR. I've got to love the, the eagles. You know, what, whatever it is that, that allows you a, a place to be, you know, excited, but then you've got a mixed message going on because it's also a thing that divides. So, those three past interactions can be, can be problematic if we let yesterday flavor today. But instead of that, let's, let's be looking at today and saying, here at Church of the Valley, if you are in Christ, okay, he's brought you into his kingdom, you have a standing that John the Baptist himself didn't have, okay? So, turns out you're all that and didn't know it possibly. In fact, it's ideal if you didn't think you were all that, to be honest, um, in the kingdom. So, I, I want to give you some, some context. If, if you are in the kingdom... You are part of an every member, and I don't mean member of the church, I mean everybody here in the kingdom is doing ministry. Oh, is that a program? I like programs. I don't like programs. No. What it is is about knowing your story, not being crippled by things that have gone wrong and you're sharing with other people before, and then functioning as a part of this group as we attempt to point to our Savior. So... First thing that we have to do, and this is so difficult, is to decompartmentalize. If you are a person who has your Christian set of friends and your non-Christian set of friends, and you are one person with them and another person with them, you are what I'm talking about. If I'm guilty, I expect somebody else is guilty, and I am. What we want to do is be whole as people, and the boxes that we've created out of our lives for convenience sake or safety's sake begin to bleed together. And I am the same person in every context, whether it's my neighborhood or my church or my workplace. Okay, second thing, as a, as a minister of the gospel in this every member ministry, you have to be aware of what sets you off. And this is another reason that we're looking back to the past. If you are easily triggered and I've got my son's voice going triggered uh, in my head because he's happy to call us on it at home. Um, if you know what sets you off, is there a certain type of disrespect that you just respond to in a way that might make people confused about where you are putting your identity? Um, is there a topic that people can bring up that causes you to go into attack mode? Look at yesterday and go, wow, I'm the worst version of myself in this context. And then say, okay, what do I need to do about it today? Do I need to have an accountability partner who goes, so Mike, uh, 
How is that uh, not hiding what you did this weekend at work going this week? Oh, well, um, nobody talked to me, so... Okay, Mike, maybe it's that. Maybe it's just you have to think about it for the first time. You haven't let yourself do it, but know what sets you off. Third thing is de-emphasize the temporary. So uh, are there any... Is anybody here passionate about either team that's playing in the Super Bowl? Not a single person. All right. Well, let's imagine those people then. No, I'm kidding. But do you know what I'm saying? Um, my daughter is 13. She's not threatening to get a truck. But to her, the Ford F-150 is the truck. And all you GM... Uh, GMC, Chevy, Dodge people are just second. She's never even sat in an F-150, as far as I know, okay? And if, if you're like that about something, how does that make your testimony about Christ who saves look? Look into yesterday and go, okay, it's not an F-150, and I'm not 13. It's this higher stakes issue. All right, the next thing is to apply the gospel. There's tons of good advice out there today. I, I kid you not, the internet has given us both ridiculously stupid advice and good advice, right? Your job is not to find the best advice for somebody. Your job is to point to Jesus, okay? It's a person, not an argument, right? Okay, so when somebody's got life troubles, if your answer for them came from Oprah, okay, we're looking into the past, huh, maybe that wasn't the best resource given that I am specially in their life with my own story for answering a question about what they should do in a particular situation. All right, cross-connect. Cross-connecting is the, the mechanism by which I go, you know, I just don't, not everybody takes to me. I can't communicate well with everybody. But I'm connected to people that some of you are not connected with. And if I can find people who have something in common with my friend that I'm a little awkward with and I don't exactly know how best to relate Jesus to them, Maybe we can all have dinner. We can have coffee. We can, oh, we all like to go mountain biking. We all mountain bike. We cross-connect brothers and sisters in Christ so that the kingdom is on display whether we say a word about it that time or not. Does that make sense? Look around the room and say to yourself, just to yourself, these people are co-conspirators for this kingdom that we're part of that's breaking into the world and has broken in. It's here and it's coming. All right, last thing. If you have children, if you're going to have children, would you teach them? People don't end up believing in the reality of Christ without actually being instructed. And they're going to see your today the whole time they're around you and they need a context that you're not perfect, you are loved by a perfect king. And they need to understand how the gospel fits into the life experience that they're having in your family. So teach them. All right. 
We're going we're gonna to close this up with a, a couple more slides. And I, I just, we have to deal with yesterday and we have to do it today. And the first thing we have to deal with is that every single person, you and I, every one of you, me, everyone that you're going to talk to about Jesus deserves God's wrath. Because a 99% on our mythical test means that there, there's evil found in us. And this is really important to me because we live in a world that's got a lot of problems. And I want to see right be done. I'm willing to wait. I want justice to be done. And I want to trust in a God who's going to set things right. But I have to admit that I am part of the problem and that the only way that I have out is found in Jesus. And that's got to be part of my thinking about myself and it's got to be part of my concern for other people and that we don't substitute other things in place of it. So I do things the right way is sort of what I rely on perhaps or uh, I work really hard, I'm diligent or I'm successful or look successful. There are lots of things that we can put our confidence in that aren't Christ, that aren't going to compensate for the fact that my motives are not always pure and I'm supposed to be indwelt by the Spirit and living by the Spirit day by day. Well, I'm dragging a flesh along that would like to make some decisions now and then, thank you very much. So we have to look at yesterday and say, that's who I was, who I am now, today, I'm going to let the Spirit control me. So today is when you live purposefully, not perfectly. That's not our expectation. But purposeful, that's what we're all hoping to shoot for. So the worship team is going to come back up, and um, they're going to they're play a little music. And I want you to think about what you are personally tempted to cling to other than the gospel of Christ. What... What's an answer that isn't Christ? Does it have to do with money? Does it have to do with fame? Does it have to do with other circumstances? Is it a person who isn't Jesus? And just reflect on that, and then we'll sing. We'll see how it goes. I, I want us to think about the opportunity that we have to worship God. We have the opportunity to worship him by hearing the word of God and more importantly, applying it to our lives. We have the opportunity to sing music and songs and lyrics that exalt Jesus's name. We also have the opportunity to give of our offering. And if you're new here, or you're just visiting, this isn't necessarily for you. I mean, we'll take your money, but you don't have to. This is for those who call COV their church. The ones that are members or not members, but believe that they're growing more into the likeness of Jesus by being a part of this place. And so I'm going to pass bags in just a minute. But actually, I, I need to, I, I'm going to use this as a teaching opportunity, not in a spiritual sense, but in an economical sense. All right, here's the thing, young people in particular, if you're giving cash and you put it in an envelope and you put your name on it, at the end of the year, you actually get a statement in the mail that says how much money you gave to the church. And then you get to write that off on your taxes, all right? So I just blew some of your minds because so many of you just give cash, but you don't actually take credit for it, and you miss out on the tax cut, and Sam's like, amen, tax cut. So I want to I encourage us that if you're going to give of your offering, 
let it be known. Not, God knows your heart, but this is an opportunity for you to give back, and it's an opportunity for you to actually get a tax break, if you will, because currently we have the opportunity as a, as a church to be a nonprofit, and we want the money that is given to the church, because it's really under the Lord, to go back into the kingdom of God. It's not just about having new uh, sound equipment or, or screens or anything like that. It's an opportunity for us to make more disciples in the name of Jesus. And so we're very excited about that. So I'm going to pass the bag in just a second, but I was reminded in first service of Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, where Paul says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. I love that it's out of the riches of his glory, or in other uh, books of the Bible, Paul talks about out of the riches of his grace, and it always comes out of a God who has infinite amount of something. And so we need to be reminded that when we give back, we're not giving back because we have to. We're giving back because we get to, and it also shows us where our heart is at. And so I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pass these bags, and we're going to have the opportunity to reflect on what was just taught, and we're going to have the opportunity to stand and sing. But I would encourage you to not make this something where it actually pulls you out of the service, but remember that this is an act of worship. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to give in this way. And Lord, I ask that you would take this offering, that you would use it to multiply disciples in Santa Clara, Santa Clara County, California, to the ends of the earth. And Lord, thank you that you are using this place. Thank you not just for the changes that have happened over the past few months, but for the fact that your gospel is preached faithfully every week and by the people of Church of the Valley. And so Lord, take this offering and use it for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.